You've got work friends, you've got best friends, and now you've got ghoul friends. Hello, and welcome to episode 111 of the Ghoul Friends podcast. I'm Celeste. And I'm Caitlin. And look, we've got lines again on GarageBand. Well, at least something's going right for us today. Yeah, we were trying to get set up, and we were were struggling a little bit, so. Oh, happy accident there. You know, it happens, but we're all working now, so we're good. Yep, we're good. Yes. So, it is Halloween weekend. It is. Or Halloweekend, as I keep seeing it. Ooh. Isn't that cute? It's pretty cute. Yeah. Halloween Eve. Halloween Eve. Yes, it is. It's fun. It is fun. I'm excited. Christmas shit's already out at Target. (laughs) That makes me ridiculously upset. Like, leave Halloween alone. What did Halloween do to you? We just want one day. Just. To be spooky. I'm fine with Christmas after Halloween. Right. I'm fine with that. Like Thanksgiving and Christmas kind of like get mm-hmm. melded together. Yeah. Like we put up our Christmas tree like pretty much on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The tree goes up. Um, but no, I mean, this is kind of Christmas for paranormal podcasters. It is our sacred holiday <laughs> of Halloween. <laughs> and yeah. we were like not feeling it like recording earlier. Uh-huh. I'm like, I feel like we have to record as a paranormal podcast. I know. On like the spookiest day. Of exactly. The weekend of the the year. It's true. Yeah. We here do. we are. We do owe it to you. So you know what? We're here. We're ready. And um, yeah. And I'm, ex- I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. for it. Nope. I'm just saying that it's kind of putting me in the spooky mood that the weather has been super nice and chilly today. I literally was just about to say that. It feels like fall outside. It does. It's, what's the high today? It was like 66, yeah, I think. Yeah, something delightful. And like you know you're in the South when it's, like, in the mm-hmm. 60s and people have got their, like, coats and, like, sweaters <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm in a t-shirt. I'm like, it feels great. <laughs> Not me. I got my sweatpants, my sweatshirt, my socks. Caitlin likes to get all nice and bundled when she uh, yep. endures cold weather, even though she is from literally the coldest state, like, ever. <laughs> Doesn't mean, you know. doesn't mean I enjoy it. I <laughs> did not pick to be born there. I think it's I was meant to be. A Southerner. Yeah. I think so, too. Knowing you, I would absolutely agree. I can make some killer southern food, like grits and biscuits and yeah, comfort food. For you know, myself. you know what you can also make killer that freaking chicken you made last night. Listen, so that chicken is the stuff. Um, one of my friends is gluten free as well. Mm-hmm. If you listen to last week's episode, obviously you know we've been doing the gluten free thing. Yes, and so we've gotten a couple cookbooks. Yes. from my friend. It's got like just. All crazy sorts of things recipes in it. that you've just never tried, like shit that I've never like cooked Even with. Heard of? Yeah. yeah. Um. So a couple weeks ago, I had made the chicken, mm-hmm. and then it was a definite do again. So oh my god, again it was so week. tasty. So <laughs> it's good. easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. So so good. Yes, it's a spooky weekend. It's chilly. We're cooking good food. Yeah, that's good stuff. We're just. We we're, thought I was going to be dead today, so. Yeah, Caitlin <laughs> went and got her uh, her booster shot yesterday, yep. and um, you know. Last time you did not fare so well with it. <laughs> um, not a deterrent to not get a booster, but you know, you've surprisingly done just fine. Yeah, I got just a sore arm, but everything else, like, I know. I, normal. I kept waking up last night thinking like you were going to be up and like not feeling good. Yeah. And then you were just, you know, sawing them off. <laughs> <laughs> I figured you couldn't be, you know, in that much distress. No. <laughs> I would have woken you up if I needed you. I know. So we, you know, in anticipation of you not feeling good, we made a giant thing of chicken noodle soup that's now <laughs> sitting in our, our chicken and rice soup, I guess, that's sitting in our fridge. So we've got to now eat that. <laughs> we can bring some to your parents. We can. And it's like, it's chilly out. So soup's good anyway. You yeah. know, a good soup day. Good soup. Yeah. What else is new? 
Um, well. The cats had a barfing party last night. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, if there's two brands I want to reach out to us to sponsor, I want Bissell so I can speak <laughs> about the Crosswave, and I want Ruggable. Yep. Because um, I've not had to use the Bissell today, but that's, you know, a good day in our house. Um, the Ruggable was not so lucky. <laughs> Neither was the guest bed comforter. <laughs> yeah, there was, um, it's, this is, if you have animals, you kind of know the culprits of like, mm. this is pretty bad, but like, Nisha's you know vomit, vomit is yeah, it looks different than Kitty's vomit. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's Nisha. I'm like, oh, and that's Kitty. I feel like having pets has completely desensitized me to being grossed out by anything. Like if I see a mystery puddle on the floor like I will get right down there and like because you know you you know when it's pee and it becomes oh so oh, yeah. obvious yeah yeah um but yeah I mean <clears throat> I just nothing faces me anymore um I cannot say the same for myself I know thank god for <laughs> at least one of us can clean it up because yeah it's a frequent thing with pet ownership they don't tell you that when you first get yeah. a cute little pet yeah yeah but you know they're cute at least kitty hasn't done it on or knock on wood but on the like in the middle of the night on our bed when she's sleeping yes. like in between us and you just hear like <laughs> there is no sound that will drag me out of a dead sleep faster than the sound of an animal vomiting and kitty has gotten very close to vomiting on me before yeah she'll stand over you and do it and i'm like can you not no um, mishka's gonna have to say something yeah he's probably about to do he's something gonna be able to say he's about to pee somewhere go get him hey. you know we try to keep it real on this show and uh Upstairs. That includes uh, deterring our cats from doing something they're not supposed to do because that happens on a uh, a regular basis, like right now. Look how guilty he looks. <laughs> he yeah, he just looks mad. And I'll just preface that Mishka does not have any kind of thing wrong with him that makes him do that. Um, he's just a jerk. Yeah, and he likes to be on the door. We have no idea why. <laughs> Yet another day in our lives with cats. Yeah, I know. We also discovered a fun fact about cats is that they don't like citrus scents. So Caitlin concocted a <laughs> potion of citrusy smells that will hopefully keep Mishka from doing things he's not supposed to do. Will it work? Remains to be seen. We'll keep you updated. We'll keep you updated. Right. Sorry about that. Co-host is back. Okay. Mishka's looking um, not happy. <laughs> he's looking up to no good. He is. Of course, we're recording. So he's awake and ready to cause trouble. <laughs> Uh, today's a no bones day. <laughs> it was supposed to be a bones weekend no. and I, but the pug is not given the, the forecast because he is unavailable. Um, for those that don't know on TikTok, if you're not following noodles, the pug <laughs> and as no bones or bones forecast, you need to, because you definitely need to, they're pretty much what's sustaining me right now is <laughs> the Oracle bone or Oracle noodle will tell us if we're going to have a good day or not. Well, I wish noodle would have. Forecasted a bones day. Yes, me too. Oh. What you get, what you get. I get what we get, man. It's true. What else is new? I feel like there's gotta um, be something. Well, we're really boring, so I don't know if that's <laughs> the case. Work. Yeah, um, working. Uh getting ready for the holidays. I know we got Thanksgiving coming up soon and it's true. I feel like we always say it as soon as Halloween hits, the rest of the year is like gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what it feels like. Yep. Um Football. Yeah. Football, yep, tomorrow. That'll be good. Yep. Um, after watching a very good Patriots game last week, happy to see it. Don't know if we're going to see it again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not quite like it was last week, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. You never know. 
any given Sunday. That's what you always tell me. It's true. Yeah. Not our year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Yeah. But no, I think that's, I can't think of anything else going on for us. <laughs> we're, we're quite boring. <laughs> I made soup. Caitlin made soup. That was the highlight of our day. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah. And yummy chicken. And yummy chicken. Yes. We're going to have soup for the rest of like this week. Pretty much. Though you're right. We can give some away to my parents and yeah. that'll help. Has onions in it though. Your mom does not like onions. Jeff will eat it. <laughs> Jeff will love it. Yeah, he, he won't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we can just get started then. Since yeah. We ain't got nothing, <laughs> we got else, nothing to else to talk about. <laughs> We're really boring. We truly are. We did find the TikTok um, mop. Yeah, we did. And, you know, the adventures of 30-year-olds. Um, the O-Cedar mop is... Did we I mean, talk about that last week? I don't know if we've talked about that yet. Okay. We may have. It's very remember. exciting. Yes. If you do not have the O-Cedar, you, you should try it out. Yes. It's like a spin mop, but it keeps... You can get like the upgraded one, which of course our bougie cells had to get, <laughs> um, where it keeps the dirty water and the clean water in separate tanks yeah. in the bucket so you don't muddy up what you're mopping with. That's like always been my thing with mopping. I thought... Like I think mopping is absolutely yeah. disgusting. Like cleaning your floor and then you put your dirty mop in the clean water yeah. and then mop again. Yep. This solves all your problems with that. It does. And someone on TikTok had the bright idea to add fabric softener to their hot water that they were mopping with. And oh my God, does it smell good. <laughs> it makes your house smell <laughs> So amazing. good. Yes, it does. I feel like we've gone through so much fabric softener <laughs> between laundry and mopping. It's true. Yeah. So, you know, another brand, Hey O-Cedar, <laughs> you want to reach <laughs> out? We'll speak your praises. No problem. Well, and now that we've got our handy dandy Costco membership, we can get all the um, fabric softener for just 12 true. bucks. It's really sad that the joys we are finding in life lately of Costco and mops and chicken. and Is this what it is to be old? I think so. I, I think so. You just got to get your joy where you can. That's it. You know what? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> That's fine. This is fine. All right. Well, do you want to start? Yeah. So we're doing a little something different because it is Halloween weekend. I want it to be sh- Spooky. Spooky. So what we did is we took a look out on the interwebs for um, stories, scary stories that are in the public domain, which as I understood, it means that there is no copyright laws around them. So if there is, let us know. (laughs) But from what I've found, these stories are both public domain. Um, So yeah. (laughs) Let us know. The Ghoul Friends Fund does not have money for a lawyer, so... (laughs) Um, yeah, so we thought we'd read you guys some scary stories today. Yeah. Sounds fun. <clears throat> it does sound fun. Yes. So do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I'm going to go first. You're going to go first. Okay. Yep. Just because I want to get this over with. <laughs> Are you, don't be nervous. It's going to be fun. I'm not nervous. <laughs> Just, I'm not, it's like reading out loud is, I'm not a good, I'm a good reader, but like out loud. I'm like, yeah. I, I stutter. It's okay. Okay. I have not read this story before. So this will be interesting. I just, she wanted me to read it and I was like, nope. I have heard this story before. It's a good one. You know what I'm thinking of? It's not, maybe it's, it's not, I guess, spooky. You're going to remember the name of it before I am. Um, we read it in probably like middle school or like early high school uh-huh. where they're like on the island. It's kind of like Hunger Games. Oh, 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 oh. Um, I caught Carnegie there. The Most Dangerous Game. Yes. Who I do not remember who wrote that, but that's a fantastic story. It is. It, when you said, like, we can read them, I'm like, oh, it reminded me of that one. Yeah. Um, that was always a favorite. That's a really school. good one. Yeah. I was like, dang. I hadn't thought about that in years. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Okay. 
Ready for it? I'm ready. I'm in a spooky mood. Just in a silly goofy mood. In a silly spooky mood. <laughs> and Mishka's yeah. like, I'm off to cause some sketchy shit. Do die. I gotta, I gotta go find him again because he's oh, not doing it. Lord. You know what, folks? We don't pretend to be anything that we're not. Is he doing anything? Staring at me, staring at him. Okay, I will sit. Okay. He's gonna pee. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure he is. Oh, quality podcast we're putting out right Excellent now. <laughs> material we've got today for you folks. Okay. So this is called The Pale Man by Julius Long. Mm. Mm, okay. Spooky. Spooky. The Pale Man. He's going to be a ghost. We'll see. Do you know? I do remember somewhat of this. Did you read this in school? I've heard this read before. Oh. Not in school, but I, I've heard it somewhere. Okay. I have not yet met the man in number 212. Mm, ominous. I do not even know his name. He never patronizes the hotel restaurant, and he does not use the lobby. Mm. On the three occasions when we passed each other by, we did not speak, although we nodded in a semi-cordial, non-committal way. I could like very much to make his acquaintance. It is lonesome in this dreary place. With the exception of the aged lady down the corridor, the only permanent guests are the man in number 212 and myself. Hmm. However, I should not complain, for this utter quiet is precisely what the doctor prescribed. Where are they? It sounds like they're in some kind of boarding house to me. Oh. Like maybe a long-term like hotel kind of thing. Okay. Mind you, this was written in 1934, so okay. just to set kind of context. <clears throat> um, but that's kind of what it sounds like to me. Okay. All right. I wonder if the man in number 2122 has to come here for a rest. He is so very pale, yet I cannot believe that he is ill, for his paleness is not of a sickly cast, but rather wholesome in its ivory clarity. I gotta stop you right there. So he's, they're literally describing us. Like, they're not sickly pale, they're just real pale. (laughs) Really pale. Don't hate on me for being pale, okay? (laughs) I possibly have the whitest legs of any human being in the entire world. So, okay, do not hate on the pale man, people. (laughs) Um, his carriage is that of a man enjoying the best of health. He is tall and straight. He walks erectly with a brisk athletic stride. His parlor is no doubt congenital, else he would quickly tan under the burning summer sun. Hmm. He must have traveled just like Jeff. That's like my dad. My dad is the pale man. (laughs) Mystery solved. (laughs) Story over. (laughs) Um, okay. He must have traveled here by auto, for he certainly was not a passenger on the train that brought me. And he checked in only a short time after my arrival. Hmm. I had briefly rested in my room and was walking down the stairs when I encountered him ascending with his bag. It is odd that our venerable bellboy did not show him to his room. It is odd, too, that with so many vacant rooms in the hotel, he should have chosen number 212 at the extreme rear. The building is a long, narrow affair, three stories high. The rooms are all on the east side as as the west wall is flushed with a decrepit... Decrepit? Decrepit. 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 <laughs> Decrepit business building. The quarter is long and drab, and its stiff, bloated paper exudes a musty, unpleasant odor. Mm. The feeble electric bulbs that light it shine dimly as from a tomb. Mm. Yikes. Revolted by this quarter, I insisted vigorously upon being given room 201, which is at the front, and blessed the southern exposure. The room clerk, a disagreeable fellow with a Hitler mustache, was very reluctant to let me have it, as it is ordinarily reserved for his more profitable transient trade. I fear my stubborn insistence has made him an enemy. Mm. So they're in a hotel. Yeah, that's, yep. If only I had been 
As self-assertive 30 years ago, I should now be a full-fledged professor instead of a broken-down assistant. I still smart from the cavalier manner in which the president of the university... Similarity? No. How do you spell that? Say that. Um, I can't say (laughs) One moment. Quality. Sumerily. What does that mean? Um, Depends on the context. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Recommended my vacation. (laughs) We're going to move forward from that. He told you you done. Okay. No doubt he acted for my best interest. The people who have dominated my poor life invariably have. Oh, well, the summer's rest will probably do me considerable good. It is pleasant to be away from the university. There is something positively gratifying about the absence of the graduate student face. If only it were not so lonely. I must devise a way of meeting this pale man in number 212. Perhaps the clerk, the room clerk can arrange matters. Ooh, he's going to kill him. Or he's mm. not real. I don't know. I have been here exactly a week, and if there is a friendly soul in this miserable little town, he has escaped my notice. Although the tradespeople accept my money with flattering eagerness, they studiously avoid even the most casual conversation. I'm afraid I can never cultivate their society unless I can arrange to have my ancestors recognized as local residents for the last 150 years. Hmm. Despite the coolness of my reception, I have been frequently venturing abroad. In the back of my mind, I have cherished hopes that I might encounter the pale man in number 211. Incidentally, I wonder why he was moved from 212. Hmm. Okay, so he switched rooms. Yep. Okay. There is certainly little advantage in coming only one room nearer to the front. I noticed the change yesterday when I saw him coming out of his new room. We nodded again, and this time I thought I detected a certain malign uh, satisfaction in his somber black eyes. Mm. He must know that I am eager to make his acquaintance, yet his manner forbids overtures. If he wants to make me go all the way, he can go to the devil. I am not the sort to run after anybody. Indeed, you don't chase no man. Don't die. Don't, don't chase, chase no man. No man. <clears throat> Indeed, the surely uh, dividends of the room clerk has been enough to prevent me from questioning him about his mysterious guest. Mm. Getting warmed mm-hmm. up here. Pale, black eyes. Sus. Sus, indeed. I wonder where the pale man makes his, or takes his meals. I have been absenting myself from the hotel restaurant and patronizing the restaurants outside. At each, I have ventured inquiries about the man in 210. Not, no one at any restaurant remembered... His having been there. Perhaps he is entree into the Bremen homes of this town. And again, he may have found a boarding house. I shall have to learn if there be one. The pale man must be difficult to please, for he has again changed his room. I am baffled by his conduct. If he is so desirous of locating himself more conveniently in the hotel, why does he not move to number 202, which is the nearest available room to the front? Perhaps I can make... His inability to locate himself permanently an excuse for starting a conversation. I see we are closer neighbors now, I might casually say, but that's too banal. I must await a better opportunity. This dude is, like, real hung up on, like, What this other this dude's guy. doing, yeah. Maybe he's got a thing for the dude. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has done it again. He is now occupying room 209. I am intrigued by his little game. I waste hours to fathom its point. What possible motive could he have? I should think he would get on the hotel's people's nerves. I wonder what our combination bellhop chambermaid thinks of having to prepare four rooms for a single guest. So he's a Karen. He's a, oh, <laughs> he is a Karen. If he were not stone deaf, I would ask him. At present, I feel too exhausted to attempt such an enervating conversation. I'm tremendously interested in the pale man's next move. He must either skip a room or remain where he is for a permanent guest. A very old lady occupies number 208. 
She has not budged from her room since I've been here, and I imagine that she does not intend to. I wonder what the pale man will do. I wait his decision with a nervous excitement, a devotee of the track of the eve of a big race. All After all, I have so little diversion. This dude's like mm-hmm. creeper status. Mm-hmm. Well, the mysterious guest was not forced to remain where he was, nor did he have to skip a room. The lady in number 208 simplified matters by conveniently dying. (laughs) (laughs) That's just very well written. (laughs) Just by conveniently dying. But was he involved? I don't know. No one knows the cause of her death, but it is generally attributed to old age. She was buried this morning. I was among the curious few who had attended her funeral. Mm. When I returned from the mortuary, I was in time to see the pale man leaving her room. Ooh, it's a girl? I thought this was a guy. The pale man leaving her room, the woman. I was among the curious few who attended her funeral. When I returned home from the mortuary, I was in time to see the pale man leaving her. Oh, her room. He was the woman who died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. I was just very confused. No, no worries. Already he has moved in. Dang. He favors no time. No time. Moving in. He favored me with a smile whose meaning I have tried to vein to decipher. I cannot but believe that he meant it to have some significance. He acted as if there were between us some secret that I failed to appreciate. But then perhaps his smile was meaningless after all and only ambiguous by chance like that of the Mona Lisa. You've seen the Mona Lisa. I have. And I have to say, not very impressive in person. <laughs> it's actually way smaller than you think it's going to be. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> A sexy Mona Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> um, my man of mystery now resides in number 207, and I am not the least surprised. I would have been astonished if he had not made the scheduled move. I've almost given up trying to understand his eccentric conduct. I do not know a single thing more about him that I knew the day he arrived. I wonder whence he came. There's something indefinitely foreign about his manner. I am curious to hear his voice. I like to imagine that he speaks the exotic tongue of some faraway country. If only I could somehow unveil him into conversation. I wish that I were possessed of the glib assurance of a college boy who can address himself to the most distinguished celebrity without batting an eye. It is no wonder that I am only an assistant professor. I am I am worried. This morning I awoke to find myself lying prone upon the floor. I was fully clothed. I must have fallen exhausted there after I returned to my room last night. I wonder if my condition is more serious than I suspected. Until now, I've been inclined to discount the fears of those who have pulled a long face about me. For the first time, I recall the prolonged hand clasp of the president when he bade me goodbye from the university. Obviously, he never expected to see me alive again. I know. Got a frog in there. <laughs> Gotta wet the whistle. Gotta wet the moneymaker. <laughs> Except we don't like money. <laughs> Keep reading. Um... <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Of course, I'm not that unwell. Nevertheless, I must be more careful. Thank heaven I have no dependents to worry about. I have not even a wife, for I was never willing to exchange the loneliness of a bachelor for the loneliness of a husband. Okay, I'm going to say a bachelor in quotation marks, because clearly you got a crush on the pale man. (laughs) Just saying. Yes. I can say in all sincerity that the prospect of death does not frighten me. Speculation about life beyond the grave has always bored me. Whatever it is or it is not, I'll try to get along. I've been so preoccupied about... The sudden turn of my own affairs that I have neglected to make note of the most extraordinary incident. The pale man has done an astounding thing. He has skipped three rooms and moved all the way to room 203. We are now very close neighbors. We shall meet oftener, and my chances for making his acquaintance are now greater. Hmm. I've confined myself to my bed during the last few days, 
and have had my food brought to me. I even called a local doctor, whom I suspect to be a quack. He looked looked me over with professional indifference and told me not to leave my room. For some reason, he does not want me to climb stairs. For this bit of information, he received a $10 bill, which, as I directed him, he fished out of my coat pocket. A pickpocket could not have done it better. Hmm. Had he not been gone long when I had visited, was visited by the room clerk. That worthy suggested, with a great show of kindly concern, that I use the facilities of the local hospital. It was so modern and all that. With more firmness than I have been able to muster in a long time, I gave him to understand that I intend to remain where I am. Frowning solemnly, he stiffened, he stiffly retired. The doctor must have paused long enough downstairs to tell him a pretty story. It's obvious that he is afraid I shall die in his best room. The pale man is up to his old tricks. Last night, when I tottered down the hall, the door of number 202 was ajar. Without thinking, I looked inside. The pale man sat in a rocking chair, idly smoking a cigarette. He looked up into my eyes and smiled that peculiar, ambiguous smile that has so deeply puzzled me. I moved on down the corridor, not so much mystified as annoyed. The whole mystery of the man's conduct is beginning to irk me. It is all so insane, so utterly lacking in motive. I feel that I shall never meet the pale man, but at least I'm going to learn his identity. Tomorrow I shall ask for the room clerk and deliberately interrogate him. Oh boy. It's getting, it's getting juicy. I know now. I know the identity of the pale man, and I know the meaning of his smile. Early this afternoon, I summoned the room clerk to my bedside. Please tell me, I asked abruptly, who is the man in room 202? The clerk stared wearily and uncomprehendingly. You must be mistaken. That room is unoccupied. Oh, snap. Oh, but it is. I snapped in irritation. I saw the man there only two nights ago. He is tall, handsome fellow with dark eyes and hair. He is unusually pale. He checked in the day I arrived. The hotel man regarded me dubiously as if I were trying to impose upon him. But I assure you, there's no such person in the house. As for his checking in when you did, you were the only guest we registered that day. Oh, boy. What? Why have seen him 20 times? First, he had number 212 at the end of the quarter. Then he kept moving forward to the front. Now he's next door in room 202. The room clerk threw up his hands. You're crazy, he exclaimed, and I saw that he meant what he said. I shut up at once and dismissed him. After he had gone, I heard him rattling the knob of the pale man's door. There's no doubt that he believes that room to be empty. Thus it is that I can now understand the events of the past few weeks. I now comprehend the significance of the death in room 207. I even feel partly responsible for the old lady's passing. After all, I brought the pale man with me. It was mm-hmm. not, I, not I who fixed his path, why he chose to approach me, room after room, through the length of his dreary hotel, why his path crossed the household or the threshold of the woman in number 207, those mysterious, mysteries I cannot explain. I suppose I should have guessed his identity when he skipped the three rooms the night I fell unconscious upon the floor. In a single night of triumph, he advanced until he was almost to my door. He will be coming by and by to inhabit this room, his ultimate goal. When he comes, I shall at least be able to return his smile of grim recognition. Meanwhile, I have only to wait behind my bolted door. Dot, dot, dot. The door swings slowly open. Ooh. Well, that was creepy. Who the hell is that? Who's the pale man? I my guess is the pale man is death. Yeah, like I think it's meant to represent like death, like slowly, kind of like coming closer and closer. Mm. Mm. That's a creepy one, right? It is kind of creepy. Dang. Dang. Excellent reading. Thank you. All right, you ready for mine? I'm ready. Okay, I've also heard this story before as well. Good. And it's a doozy. Okay. All right. So this is called the Petting Zoo. By Peter de Neverville. Okay. 
It's kind of a longer one, so, you know, strap in here. Okay. All right. And this is, um, it, it reads like it was written more recently. Okay. So not as old of a language here. Okay. All right. <clears throat> At first, Johnson thought it was a joke. Speeding down the country road, the crude sign was only a blur, but it was that one word. Slowing down, he swung the Lexus onto the paved shoulder. In the rearview mirror, he could see it clearly. The sign was tacked to a stick that was stuck in the ground just beyond the paved shoulder. Shifting the powerful car into reverse, Johnson jammed the accelerator down. The tires squealed and loose gravel flew up as he tore back up the road. Screeching to a halt, he stared at the faded handwriting. Ellsworth's famous spider petting zoo. Five miles next right. Okay, well, I would just keep on going. Yeah. That's just me. (laughs) Spiders fascinated Johnson. One summer when he was eight, a large golden black spider had taken up residence underneath the shingles by the back door. Every morning, Johnson would gather up ants in a jar from a nest in the woods behind his house. One by one, he would drop the wriggling insects into the web. With lightning speed, the spider would spring from her hiding place and race towards the victim. Sinking her fangs into the ant, she would retreat, waiting for the poison to take effect. When the ant slowly stopped struggling, she would climb back down and delicately wrap her prey in a white shroud. This continued until one day his mother caught him. What a cruel little boy you are, she scolded between clenched teeth as she pummeled his backside. Hey, Mishka. <laughs> he could still feel the shame of being spanked. Mishka's decided he's joined us for You know what? It's time. my holiday tomorrow, Gil. Okay. Years later, in a rare moment of remorse, Johnson wondered what it was like for the ant. Trapped, helpless, waiting for the spider to return? Did they know fear or horror? Or was that something that only humans experienced? The insect brain was too small, he told himself. Or so he hoped. Five miles, thought Johnson. The side trip might only add another half hour or so to his journey. He would still have time once he got to his motel to have a shower. The dinner meeting with the buyer from the supermarket chain wasn't until six o'clock, and it was only four. What are you eating? Stop. Coasting forward, Johnson scanned the road looking for the turnoff. About 100 yards ahead, he saw a lane that intersected with the highway. Flicking on his turn signal, he shot a quick glance at his watch. If I don't find it in 15 minutes, he promised himself, I'll turn back. Accelerating smoothly, he turned onto a well-paved secondary road with deep ditches on either side. Punching the buttons on the CD player, he stretched his arms settling back into the soft leather seat. As the beat of Queen filled the Lexus, his mood lightened, an unexpected adventure in an otherwise boring day. Johnson hated his job. Endless meetings with bad food and balding buyers. Too many drinks and too many hangovers. He was packing on the pounds, too. I have to get back to the gym, he reminded himself. The only redeeming feature of the job was that he was good at it. Top sales rep for the last three years. I should have been an actor, he told himself. Instead, I'm selling toilet paper and tampons to these turkeys. As the needle on the speedometer crept higher and higher, the neatly kept field and freshly painted houses became a blur. Mile after mile slipped by. Johnson felt that he and the car had become one, soaring along like a hawk on a summer breeze. But his mood soured. The condition of the road deteriorated. Asphalt gave way to chip seal, which gave way to gravel, and finally ended up as dirt. Oxford Bank. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like Um, Johnson jumped on the brakes when a huge pothole emerged in the center of the road. Cursing the delay, he checked his watch again. It was almost five. The long drive down the country road had dulled his sense of time. I better turn around, he cautioned himself. As he studied the road ahead, looking for a safe place to U-turn, he saw it. An old farmhouse set back from the road. If it hadn't been for the pothole, he would have missed it completely. By the mailbox, a freshly painted sign read, Ellsworth's famous spider petting zoo. Open year-round. All visitors welcome. 
This must be the place, he concluded. Carefully turning up the heavily rutted lane, Johnson wondered what he would find. Perhaps one of the locals playing a joke on the tourists, he mused. Tall grass slapped at the bottom of the car, and rusted barbed wire clung to the rotted post that ran alongside the lane. In the untilled fields, scrubby bushes had uh, sprung up like mushrooms. Johnson tried to imagine what the farm looked like in better days, but it was impossible. When he reached the top of the hill, the farmhouse looked even more decrepit. Blistered paint hung from the wooden shingles, and there was a disturbing sag in the middle of the roof. What once had been the side garden was now occupied by tall thistles and a mass of tangled timbers, and a mass of tangled timbers indicated the former site of the main barn. Except for the glass still being intact in the windows, the house looked abandoned. Where is everybody, thought Johnson. In response to his question, an old woman dressed in a black skirt and woolen sweater stepped out the side door. She was gnarled and withered like the lone apple tree that stood in the yard. Johnson guessed that she must have been at least 70 or maybe even 80. What she want, she spat. I'm going to do a southern accent here. I feel like that's yeah. the vibe I am getting. Turning off the CD player and rolling down the car window, he replied, Is this the petting zoo? That's what the sign says, don't it? <laughs> Are you here for the accents? If not, I can cut them. <laughs> Ignoring her rudeness, Johnson continued, Are you open? I'll get Jake. He out back chopping wood. <laughs> he watched as she shuffled down a dirt path and disappeared around the corner of the house. Charming, thought Johnson. Opening the car door, he stepped out. Despite the poverty, the farm had a certain rustic appeal, which reminded him of the house he grew up in. But there was something odd and something missing. Where are the flies, thought Johnson. On most farms, the low low buzz of the black swarms was constant. But here there was none. Except for the soft moaning of the wind, it was quiet. Perhaps it was the lack of animals, he thought, or maybe it was the stiff breeze at the top of the hill that kept them at bay. Glancing at his watch, he frowned. It was after five. If he didn't get back on the road soon, he'd be late for his appointment. Either that or skip a shower. After driving all day, Johnson did not want to skip that soothing ritual. Taking one last look around, he reached for the handle of the door. Just then, the woman reappeared, and behind her, an even more wizened-up old man wearing faded blue overalls and a nicotine-stained undershirt. Stopping at the corner of the house, the old man sped out a long jet of chewing tobacco onto the ground. Wiping his mouth at the back of his hand, he paused momentarily to study Johnson. Speaking to the old woman, he said in a low tone, Thought I heard a car come up. Wants to see your spider, she said, before turning away and went back into the farmhouse, letting the screen door slam behind her. You want to see my spiders, young fella? (laughs) (laughs) Supposed to be scary. (laughs) Gotta have some comedic relief here. Sure, if you're open, how much? Looking over at the Lexus, he scratched his ruddy face and said, Fifty bucks. Fifty? That's ridiculous. Shrugging his shoulder, the man said, Take it or leave it. Or, excuse me, take it or leave it. I got work to do. <laughs> then he spat out another long jet of chewing tobacco and turned to go. I can't leave now after coming all this way. Taking another look at his watch, he said irritably, All right, all right, but this better be good. The old man smirked and licked his lips as Johnson whipped out a crisp 50. Johnson did not like the old man's greedy look and hastily shoved his wallet back into his pants pocket. Thanks, the old man said. Thanks, the old man said sarcastically, snatching the bill from Johnson's hand. Looking over it, he folded it up, stuck it in his pocket and said, follow me. The old man led Johnson down an overgrown path to a shed at the back of the farmhouse. Inside, the dim glow of fluorescent tubes highlighted the dozen plywood shelves that ran along the wall. In contrast, the rest of the farm, the shed was neat, almost antiseptic. Sitting on each shelf was a glass terrarium filled with twigs and rocks. 
and in the case closest to Johnson, a small garden spider was spinning a web in the corner. That's an orb spider, said the old man. I know, said Johnson, annoyed by the interruption. You know spiders? A bit, said Johnson. I used to study them when I was a kid. I bet you're the type likes to feed them, huh? Catch bugs, drop them in, see what happens. Fun, ain't it? (laughs) Suddenly, Johnson was uncomfortable. How did he guess my secret, he wondered. Probably because you're at a spider petting zoo. (laughs) Johnson felt the warm rush of blood to his neck and ears as he started to blush. No need to be ashamed, young fella. All kids do it. It's natural. Trying to change the topic, Johnson asked, You been at this long, keeping spiders? Yeah, I've been at it a while. Most folks are scared of spiders. Not me. Me and spiders get along real good. Johnson turned around back to watch a large black spider in another case sucking up the half-digested slurry of its latest victim. Trying to be polite, Johnson said, but I bet you don't get many visitors being so far from the highway. Don't need them, said the old man. This is just sideline. Pausing for effect, he added, I breed them. Johnson looked puzzled. For the college, explained the old man. They use them for research. Does it pay well? Good enough? And they don't know squat about spiders, said the old man, spitting on the floor. Johnson looked down and saw that a streak of the sticky black tobacco had splashed onto his shoes. Ew. Yeah, ew indeed. I've been doing research of my own, said the old man proudly. Spiders are just like any other critter. Cows, horses, dogs, they're all the same. Breed with the best and you get the best. Or the... The old man's voice trailed off as he started to laugh. There was something about his tone that made Johnson uneasy. You want to see my prize winner? Johnson looked around. Oh, she ain't here. I keep her in the barn. She kind of makes these critters nervous. I can't say I blames them. Want to see her? The way the old man said it, the question sounded more like a challenge. But Johnson hesitated. He wanted to say no, but he could not let the old man know he was afraid. Sure, answered Johnson. What could it be? A tarantula? With the old man in front, they went down a lesser-used path to a small barn behind a stand of trees made invisible from the farmhouse. A shiny new lock on a rusted hasp yielded to the old man's key. I don't like the kids messing with my stuff. The ancient door swung open. Inside, it was pitch black. Johnson hesitated. What was it that made him apprehensive? His mouth felt dry, and he tried to swallow. Go on in, taunted the old man as he shoved Johnson through the door. Stumbling on the raised sill, Johnson fell to one knee, ripping his pants. Damn it, he cursed. There's a light headed light switch ahead of you, the old man reassured him. Just pull the string. The stench of moldy hay made Johnson gag. Where is it? The spider, he called out. She's in the back. You can't miss her. Where's the light? Right in front of you. Can't you see it? mocked the old man. Johnson stretched out his hand. At first, he could not feel anything, but slowly groping in the air, he caught it. His heart left in relief. But it was something strange. The line didn't feel like string. It was sticky like a... Pulling the line, Johnson knew he had made a mistake. Something rustled in the rafters above him, and bits of straw floated down. Mm -mm. Johnson bolted the opening. Bolted for the opening. Enjoy yourself, cackled the old man as he slammed the door and locked it. Uh. Let me out, let me out, shouted Johnson, pounding on the door. Let me out, you old buzzard. But it was no use. The dry wooden door was like iron. Pausing to catch his breath, his fist throbbing, Johnson looked around. Slowly, his eyes grew accustomed to the dark. What appeared to be a black chasm was, in fact, the side entrance to the barn. But there must be a way out, he thought. But where? In the gloom, he could see that beyond the entryway, there was a large open space. And beyond that boarded-up window, through which thin shafts of light streamed. Great. All I have to do is cross the barn, pull off one or two of those boards, and climb out. And then I'll show that old man. Fifty bucks. He'll wish I had never stopped. 
Then he heard another rustle overhead, and more straw floated down. Who is it? Who's there? He called out. I bet it's the old man. He thinks it's going to scare me. Sure, you just keep that up, old man, Johnson called out again. I don't think it's the old man. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> Let's see how much laughing you do when I bash your face in. But first, I've got to get to that window. Be careful, he cautioned himself. The barn must be full of junk. Don't want to fall down and get hurt. Despite the heat in the barn, he shivered. Licking the sweat off his upper lip, Johnson slowly picked his way across the wide, wooden-planked barn floor, being careful not to trip. Shadows of old machinery and tools loomed around him. A leather harness that hung from the wall looked like a hangman's noose. There was a particular spell, too. It reminded him of a package of chicken that he had once left in his trunk on a hot summer day. It was the sickly, sweet scent of rotting meat. Oh, gross, muttered Johnson. There's a dead animal in here. In less than a minute, he had crossed the barn and was standing in front of the boarded-up window. Blocking his exit were three boards nailed haphazardly. Either the old man was too weak or too lazy to draw them all the way in, concluded Johnson. I can probably pull them off with my bare hands. The first board was uh, half-rotted and fell apart in his hands. Light streamed in as it came away from the frame. Then he shifted his attention to the second one, the board in the middle. If he could get this one off, he could easily climb out. But this board wasn't so easy. It was like the old board, the old door of the barn, dried out and tough as steel. Gripping the board with both hands, he began pulling. The nails squealed in protest, and the board started to move. Only a bit further, grunted Johnson. The thought of throttling the old man excited him. Just a bit further, another half inch, he could almost feel his fingers closing around the old man's scrawny neck, his eyes bulging, his tongue sticking out. Another half inch. Then it stopped. Desperately, Johnson yanked at the board, but it was no use. It would not yield. I need more leverage, he said to himself. Balancing on one foot, he braced his other against the window frame and began pulling again. The muscles in his forearms and back bulged as he strained against the board. Sweat rolled down his forehead and his eyes. Come on, he pleaded with the wood. Come on. In his frustration, Johnson did not hear the soft tap, tap, tap on the floor. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. Like a blind man with a cane. Tap, tap, tap. Then it was too late. It struck. The force of the attack rammed him face first up against the wall, knocking the wind out of him. Blood trickled from his nose and ran down his cheek. What was that? Turning around slowly, he could see in the light from the window his attacker. It was crouched inside an empty stall on the opposite wall. The legs were tensed, ready to spring. It was a spider. No doubt one of the man's, old man's experiments. But this was no ordinary spider. It was huge, about the size of a pit bull, with legs that extended out three or four feet from each side. Mm-hmm. Its eyes stared coldly at him. Johnson did a quick tally of his injuries. Except for his bloody nose, he was unharmed. Possibly the large size of the creature made it difficult for him to mount an attack. Possibly he didn't even recognize him as prey. Spiders normally eat moth and insects, he reminded himself, not human beings. When he was a kid, Johnson liked to throw twigs into a web just to see the spider's reaction. Mishka, I know you're really invested in this, but... <laughs> um, invariably, after pouncing on the object, the spider would pluck it from the web, turn it over, and drop it on the ground. Johnson hoped the spider would show the same lack of interest. From a vantage point at the other end of the barn, the creature seemed puzzled. Spiders are cautious, he told himself. It's waiting for me to make a move. Although every fiber in his body screamed, run, his brain told him to stay still. The spider was too big and too fast to outrun. I need a weapon, he told himself. Quickly looking around, he saw the rotten board from the window at his feet. It was about two feet long with a jagged point at the end. It'll have to do. Slowly, he bent down to pick it up. The spider crouched low like a sprinter, ready to strike again. Johnson froze, his fingers only inches from the board. Easy, girl, he whispered. Easy. 
The spider relaxed, but not completely. Deliberately, it began to move forward. Tap, tap, tap. Johnson was amazed by the amazed by the creature's grace, like a ballerina tiptoeing in from the darkened wings of the theater. It was a marvel of beauty and design. The body, covered by fine gray hair, had the look of velvet, while the eight legs that extended from its thorax provided speed and balance. As it approached Johnson, the spider carefully extended one foreleg towards him. Johnson quickly knocked it away with his hand. The creature stopped and cocked its plate-sized head to one side. The eight eyes looked like black fists. <laughs> then the leg came forward again at the tip. Johnson can see the spike-like claw for catching prey. It touched his left shoulder. Through his jacket, he could feel the sharp point digging into his skin. Johnson winced and stepped backwards into the wall. There was no place to go. Slowly, the other foreleg came forward. Johnson recoiled, trying to ward off the attack with his free arm. But the creature was too strong. It brushed his arm aside like it was a piece of lint and planted a second claw in his other shoulder, and Johnson cried out, Help! Then the spider reared up on its hind legs, forcing Johnson to his knees. For a brief moment, he and the creature looked into each other's eyes. It was almost like love. Then he saw the six-inch fangs that extended from the head. Drops of venom gleamed in the half-light. He watched in fascination as the cruel cruel daggers arched high over him, and then he screamed as they plunged deeply into his chest. Instantly, white-hot pain ripped through his body. Then it was gone. The spider had retreated back to the stall. Johnson knew he only had a minute or two before the poison paralyzed him. This is it, he thought, my only chance. Ignoring his wounds, he turned back to the window. Grabbing at the board, he yanked and pulled, but to no avail. Already the venom was having its effect. His hands were numb and his arms felt like lead. Gasping for air, he threw himself against the boards, but it was no use. He was beaten. Great sobs shook his body as he slumped to the floor. This can't be happening, he protested. It's ridiculous. Looking back at the spider, he could still see that she had not moved. What is she waiting for? Why doesn't she just finish me off? Soon he had his answer. Shimmering like a great overcoat, there was something on the spider's back. It moved and undulated like a small wave flowing back and forth. Then a piece of the wave pulled away and dropped to the floor. It was another spider, only a lot smaller, about the size of a rat. Johnson realized that some spiders carry their young on their back. Horrified, he realized that he had stumbled into their nursery, and it was feeding time. Uh Uh-oh. Another one dropped to the floor, and then another. Soon there was a long line of spiders crawling towards him. Through fading eyesight, that he saw the first one reach his foot. Tentatively, its foreleg probed the air until it found his leg and patted it. It was light and delicate, like the touch of a child. Johnson opened his mouth to scream, but no sound came. The last thing Johnson saw before he lost consciousness was a spider tearing a piece of flesh from the back of his hand. Back at the farmhouse, the old man picked up the whiskey bottle from the kitchen table, poured himself another drink, and plopped down on the ancient lazy boy recliner. How long it take, Jake? asked the old woman. Not long, he grunted. They ain't eaten since Sunday. Get a better sign. It'll attract more folks. Nah, sign's okay. Anyway, we don't need a crowd, said the old man, taking a long, hard swallow. What you gonna do with the car? She asked, looking out the window, admiring the now ownerless Lexus. I hear young Dougal needs one for running moonshine. Willing to pay a good price, too, said the old man. Won't he ask questions? Wondered the old woman, pouring a drink and easing herself down on a dusty couch. Nah, he don't care, snickered the old man. I'll talk to him tomorrow. Meanwhile, pass that remote. Let's see what's on Dr. Phil. The end. Dang. Don't go to a spider petting zoo. Lessons learned. Reminded me of, like, Harry Potter vibes. Yeah, it was kind of giving me some, like, Aragog, but, like... Real evil era going. <laughs> Guys. Yeah. No, no joke. It was a good one. That huh? was good. I yeah. Like that.
Dang. Your accent was on point. <laughs> <laughs> I hope y'all enjoyed my, my reading abilities and my accent. Pretty good. If you want to hear me do more voices, we can do more stories. <laughs> yeah. Story time with Celeste. <laughs> Story time with Celeste. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Good. Well, that was that was a lot of reading. It was a lot of reading. So I, I'm glad I got through all of that. My eyes are tired now. I know. Me too. <laughs> Well, yeah. Any any final things before we wrap up? Nope. If um, you're dressing up or mm-hmm. going to any parties and having, you know, my dad was a jar of fluff one time. <laughs> what is fluff for those that don't know? Like marshmallow. You just put on like your sandwiches. Yeah. Like a peanut butter fluff sandwich. And yeah. Like jelly. Those are good. But yeah. Yes. He was a jar of fluff. <laughs> if you have any funny costumes or fun costumes. Tag us. Yeah. So we can see them for sure. Yeah. We don't have costumes. I don't think we're... We're not dressing no, up. You always just a clown. <laughs> oh, good. Got him. Good, good, good. Yes, do tag us if you have any Halloween plans. We'd love to see them. Yep. Go see Caitlin on Facebook. Yep. Send her all your puppy pictures, pet pictures, anything you'd like. Um, remember that you can find us on Instagram at Ghoul Friends Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Ghoul underscore Friends. We are on TikTok at Ghoul Friends Podcast. And if you have a listener story or just want to send us an email, you can do that too at ghoulfriendspodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to get yourself some super spooky merch, you can do that at ghoulfriendspod.redbubble.com. Yes. Whew. Good one. All right. <laughs> well, we will go ahead and wrap it up for this week. Yep. But we hope you have a fantastic and safe Halloween. As always, I'm Celeste. And I'm Caitlin. And we're your ghoul friends. Fixing to go cook you some soup. Cook me some soup, woman. (laughs)